Hello and welcome to Legal Tech Arcade with me, Rob McAdam, an independent podcast about tech-driven legal service delivery and the people and products that make it all happen. Okay, so welcome to the latest episode of the Legal Tech Arcade podcast. Today, I am very pleased to be joined by Owen Oliver, who is head of product at StructureFlow and formerly co-founder of Workshare Transact. Owen, great to have you on the show. Great to be here. Thank you for having me. This is a really great podcast. I'm delighted to be here. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I know we've been trying to make this happen for a little while, so it's uh, it's good to finally finally, uh, make it happen. So yeah, it should be a good conversation. Um, so I know I know you've listened to the podcast before, so no doubt you know the the icebreaker question. Uh, I do. Yeah, and I was I was chatting to Tom Dunlop in the last episode, and I don't know. I'm just getting. It. I feel like it's a little bit cheesy. I need to, I need to find a new question, but I'm gonna I'm gonna persevere for this episode uh, and ask you the same question. So were you <laughs> were you into uh, arcade games, video games? Was it PC, uh, console? What you know, what what did you like? Well, I, I was never a massive, massive fan of, of computer games, but I, I've just turned 40, actually, and I, I guess that puts me into the Game Boy generation. Yeah, definitely. So when I was a teenager, I had a Game Boy. I played it a hell of a lot, and I you know, really enjoyed it. And I think the one game that stood out for me was uh, Zelda. You yeah. Know, I played that yeah. um, for about a month solid and completed it. And I think I sort of remember the day that I completed it, sort of being a, a bit lost, um, didn't know mm. what to do with myself. Um, so I think that was definitely the the, the, the peak of my sort of uh, computer sort of playing days. I think later on it was things like Pro Evolution Soccer when I was at uni, yeah, and yeah. Street Fighter Two when I was at school. Before that, epic game. I was yeah. just not very. I was just not very good at them, so I didn't. I didn't enjoy them at all. I know. Well, I think I guess kind of we're of that we're of that generation. I think that um, I, well, I'm going to say this. I think like completing games was harder for us than it is now because like you didn't really have all the kind of cheats and all you can't just go on Google and think like, Very how, do, true. how do I solve this? You you had to actually just, and I remember playing games where you just had to keep trying things literally like hours and hours over hours and over and, over and until you found <laughs> the right way to do it. Get to the end level, get to the boss level again and again, it'd take you hours to get there. Yeah. And you had one shot and that was it. Yeah, I know. Yeah. yeah it's crazy. So I would, I would love to, I would love to go back and, and, uh, you know, find a Game Boy, you know, and sort of have another go, see if it would take me back all those years. But, yeah. um, yeah. Well, yeah. I was, um, before we move on to, to talk about some serious legal tech stuff, um, <laughs> but I was talking to, um, and, and people may know, may know him, but Ben Firth, who's, um, he's a client manager at, uh, Thomson Reuters. I used to work with him at Haiku. I was chatting to him the other day and he's, uh, he's got an old, I think it's an old PC laptop or maybe an old Mac laptop. And he kind of fired up the other day and he's got kind of, um, the, the old command and conquer games, uh, oh, yeah. on there. So he was, he's kind of big, got back into playing retro games and, uh, yeah, mm. I mean, I reckon if I dusted off some of the old kind of laptops and uh yeah computers i had there'd be some some awesome games on there actually um well we got a good way to you should have found that out a year ago when lockdown started yeah there could that have been, been a, that would have been a good way to spend some time yeah like a retro game renaissance yeah, yeah, yeah. that would have been awesome <laughs> okay anyway so uh let's get into this the serious questioning um yeah. Okay, so I guess um, you're probably known um, best as the co-founder, I suppose, of Workshare Transact, the the transaction management platform. Mm -hmm. Um, So I thought we could start by perhaps you telling us the story behind uh, Workshare Transact, the early days. Where did the idea come from? How did how did you go about building the product out? What were those early days like in terms of early success and, and, and kind of lessons learned? What what did that look like? 
Yeah, I'd love to. Um, so I, you know, I qualified as a corporate lawyer with um, Phil Fisher or mm. Phil Fisher Waterhouse, as they, as they were there. And that was all the way, all the way back in 2006. And I ended up staying there for about eight years. And for the first half of that time, I was a, I was a corporate lawyer. And that's when these sort of, sort of ideas around transact, you know, sort of started to come through. Yeah. You know, the frustration at closings, couldn't understand why we weren't using electronic signatures, that sort of stuff. And then about halfway through my time at Phil Fisher, I got the chance to move over and I worked for a film finance lawyer for a few years. And I really enjoyed that, but that was transactional as well. And I sort of realized that there were sort of both of these teams, um, you know, could, both of those sort of um, areas could benefit from a tool like this. Mm. And I thought it, you know, it would have broad appeal. Um, and so I sort of really sort of um, started working on it at that point. So I started writing a couple of business plans. I started um, creating wireframes and PowerPoints uh, when I should have been drafting documents. And basically what happened was I sort of realized I didn't want to be a, a lawyer anymore. And I really wanted to sort of focus on this um, uh, business idea. Mm. And so I essentially quit. Um, with a view to sort of working on this. Uh, and what I did, I sort of moved to, I moved to Manchester where I thought my money would go a bit further. And I did a sort of one or two sort of cliched, you know, I don't want to be a lawyer anymore type thing. So yeah. I worked at a bar and stuff like that. And, yeah. um, but I focused on the business and, and at that point it kind of worked because at that point I met Ben Ridgway, mm. um, who sort of became, you know, the, co the co-founder of what, um, and um, essentially what I did, I put a, a job um, advert on this sort of, um, tech jobs um, website and Ben saw that I sort of obviously mentioned legal and he got in touch and he was actually um, in Tokyo um, at the time he'd, okay. he'd sort of been working with uh, Clifford Chance and he did a, a training contract seat out in Tokyo mm. and he'd gone back and was working on his MBA out there and he was actually working in one or two um, startups um, so we started working together you know just over Skype uh, this is you know the sort of early part of um, 2013 I yeah. think um, and pretty soon after that, Ben had a bit more sort of technology uh, than me at that point, and um, and he sort of drove it forward, and we sort of started putting a prototype together pretty pretty quickly after we'd sort of started um, sort of talking about yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so we um, so we we hired like a Swedish um, dev shop to start building a prototype for us. They didn't take it seriously at all, so we fired them, and then we hired somebody um, locally in, in Manchester. And sort of over the course of about the period of a sort of a year, um, we sort of built this 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 quite a good quality prototype. Mm. Um, so that was sort of 2013, 2014. In, in 2014, we both sort of got jobs um, back in London and we'd sort of work four days a week. Um, and then the sort of, you know, one day a week, we'd sort of go and see prospective customers, go and see law firms, go and see lawyers, go and see investors. And we, I guess we sort of, you know, we tried to sort of um, launch it as, a, as, our, as our own startup. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean it's a great, great story. But I mean, t taking a step back, then um, it's it's weird, isn't it? It's such an obvious. I guess if you're in that world, yeah. it's such an obvious solution, or at least a problem, mm. an obvious problem that a lot of lawyers have is whether it's uh, whether it's on the kind of M and A or whether it's on the finance side. But how do you keep yeah. track of all those documents? How do you keep track of the signatories, the different versions, yeah. the version notes? Um, I mean. Like, why do you think, I mean, it took so long to, to kind of get to that point because it was so, so painful with lawyers sitting there at the middle of the night trying to pull all this together? Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I think if you look at the sort of um, the time that we started out, we, we sort of looked around and we, we didn't see anybody else doing this. Yes. I think you know, in the, during the course of 2014, we sort of saw closing folders come onto the, onto the market and that sort of um, swung us into action a little bit ourselves. But I think... 
know, there's probably over a sort of period of about two years leading from that point onwards, there's like, like five, six, seven lawyers all kind of started working in that area. And I think it's just a sort of a, a progression of technology. You know, you sort of, technology gets to a certain point and the cost of building it sort of comes down. Mm. Um, and so, you know, you, know, you have a, a person in a specific field like law yeah. that says, well, if we, if we apply that technology to this problem, then that's going to that's going to be a useful tool. So I think that's it. Just it's, you know, probably it wasn't a coincidence that maybe you know four or five you know lawyers exactly, chose to yeah. sort of create startups in that in that period. Yeah, no, exactly. Where you mentioned closing folders, I guess, like kind of Doxley, which we'll come on to a little bit later. You guys, mm. it was just uh, I don't know. There was just a couple, a couple of years where it just suddenly the the switch you know that was turned on and and these solutions came through. But it was long, so long overdue because. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's yeah. painful. I mean, I always. Yeah. I, I I was always thinking, kind of, why in the early days, why someone like an I managed didn't didn't kind of try and tackle that solution, uh, or provide something. But mm. um, I guess yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess you know, and there wasn't really much by, in terms of legal tech at all. I mean, when we were sort of, um, you know, looking around at technology companies at that time, it was we knew Workshare because we used Workshare Compare, we knew IQ, but that was. That was pretty much it. You know, there wasn't a great deal else um, out there as far as we were concerned in, in terms of, uh, of of legal tech. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, so, I mean, you mentioned kind of using that Swedish development house to kind of start building, and then you use a guy in Manchester. I mean, um, I guess there's, there, there'll be people listening that perhaps have got an idea for building out yeah. kind of a legal tech tool. I mean, what was your experience of, of kind of going down that route? I mean, I guess unless you unless you know how to code. Um, and that's kind of quite a rare thing and, and certainly not essential for anyone who wants to found a company. But I mean, looking back, I mean, how would you, would you do it the same way? Would you, would you take a slightly different approach? What, what would you say? Well, well, I think it's, it's obviously one of the sort of the big challenges, you know, whenever you're starting out with a new sort of, um, startup, new software product, you know, it's how do you, how do you get sort of quality, um, engineering support from, from an early stage that enables you to sort of prove what you want to prove what you want to do. Mm. Um, and I think, you know, also to kind of um, uh, to in, instruct somebody as to what you want, you have to have sort of base level of, of technology knowledge um, yourself as well. So I think that was what, what, you know, meeting up with Ben really helped me with that because I sort of knew what I wanted to build, but I didn't know how to go about it. And um, so um, so the, the knowledge that he picked up through working at um, the startups that he, work, he worked with in Tokyo, yeah. that really helped us just get to the point where you can actually, you know, you know who you want, uh, who you need to go to to get to get the help, how you're going to build it, you know, that sort of thing. So, um, so yeah, it's 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 something that you, um, you know, it, it, how you go about getting that is a really sort of critical thing to to help you, you know, launch your. Um, product. I, I remember, you know, um, the Avoca guys. You know, were speaking on your podcast, yeah. sort of talking about how they had friends at, at, at um, one of the universities or whatever. You know, it's, you've got to sort of cobble it together how you how you can. Yeah, I think what's interesting, uh, and we're actually going to um, there's a uh, Shaz at uh, Neotologic is going to come on the podcast in a in a few weeks time, and uh, we were talking about it, and I guess these these kind of no code tools now are really lowering the bar for for kind of entry mm. into or at least the creation of uh mvps or prototypes i guess it used to be the case that like like we've just said you used to have to find a kind of technical co-founder or someone that was techie that you had in your kind of immediate circle that you could yeah. draw on but now actually there are tools that really do help you build something pre- pretty good actually to prove at least prove the concept and maybe kind of go and seek some early investment and 
uh, and, and take it forward. So I think um, that's something that's definitely changed over the last kind of three or four years, I, you know, probably slightly too late for you guys. Um, but I, I do think that might also kind of open up the market a little bit. We might start seeing some more legal tech kind of companies yeah, absolutely. come in yeah, there. Yeah, I mean, t- tools in all different areas, you know, get more advanced and, and, and more, and, you know, it's cheaper to, to use them and cheaper to do the things that you want to do, whether it's build a full app or build a prototype or or build a model. And then it's all about your, you know, your ability to sell, to sell the sort of, um, sell the value and the potential to the to the people that you're, that you're working with. And I think, yeah. you know, that if you're, um, you know, the type of person that's going to be, you know, an entrepreneur, startup kind of person, then you just, you know, you, it's just about sheer will and you just drive and keep going until you find, um, you know, the people, the ways um, of, of getting to where you want to be. Yeah, I do. In a way, though, I do worry somewhat because, I mean, my I, I think I've spoken about it before on the podcast. My worry is that um, that the legal tech space comes a little bit too crowded and, and a bit too confusing. Um, and I, I, you know, I spoke, yeah. I spoke with on the last episode with Tom, and we we spoke about this kind of concept of, um, I guess, kind of analysis paralysis for for buyers because there's just so many options on the market. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I guess getting to getting to build a product quickly is great, but there's no shortcut to actually doing the the, the market research, validation, uncovering the, the the problem in the first place, so that you know what you're building is actually valuable, and you're not just going to build essentially a, a me too product. Um, you know, there's so many lawyers I think now that that love the legal tech idea and want to kind of break out of their let's be honest boring dull day-to-day <laughs> you know life that's not all lawyers but that's a lot of them and and kind of see legal tech as a an avenue for that and so you know whilst it's great that we have this lower entry point at a lower bar to entry um yeah it could also add to the add to the crowded nature of the, the legal tech mm-hmm. market at the moment yeah I think we're going through this period where there's a lot of opportunity you know legal tech is coming up it maybe might go on for another few years where there'll be a huge, huge number of uh, of startups because there is so much opportunity that you know. I think re- relatively, you know, tech adoption in legal is 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 low, mm. um, and yeah, you have loads of lawyers that are doing their doing their jobs and saying, you know, I don't know why I can't do this better or that better. Um, I think that, I think there's some yeah. I, I I sort of it concerns me a, a little bit as well because you know I've, I've sort of been through it and I still see what it takes to get adoption, like, even with something like transaction management where. It's just a no-brainer, and it's you know, something that everybody should have. You know, the adoption cycle in legal is is slow, so you kind of worry for the for the startups out there. You know, you, and I think you know who can be you know you, it's it's which ones can be funded through that sort of cycle. Yeah, um, and I think you know a lot of the ones that are coming out that are successful at the moment. You know, they're going beyond law legal. You know, or, or at least they're going beyond law firms. So you know, Tom you know, Dunlop was talking about. You know, the in-house opportunities and you know yeah. so i think there's you know it's i think what you can't necessarily do is you know pick a, a narrow problem that you suffer in your law firm and then take that into a startup you know it's got to be sufficiently broad you know it's got to be a really robust concept it's got to have um you know it really helps if it goes beyond legal and into corporate legal or into banking or whatever so yeah. you know and all that stuff was really important for me when i you know left Latera, looking for something you know, and and some new challenge. Mm. You know, all those things had to be in place for me. You know, to to move to 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 a to a smaller stage company. Yeah. Well, I guess you know what's interesting though. I you know I, I kind of say that it's getting crowded, but I guess it all comes back to how that marketplace is structured and um, the kind of go to market strategy of some of those um, some of those companies that are coming into the space and some of those sl- solutions that come into the space. Because mm. um, previously, it's kind of almost been a um, 
there's been a kind of a portfolio buying approach, or at least products have kind of entered the market, assuming there's going to be this portfolio buying approach. Kind of, we need to we need to get ourselves in there as one of many solutions that sit alongside um, that that form the stack of the in-house team or form the stack of the law firm. And again, we've spoken about it on the podcast before, but this kind of changing nature of of legal tech and um, how things are going to adapt. Um, in terms of post-pandemic and the the kind of the rise of things like Teams and Slack and the productivity tools that people are using day to day, potentially the kind of deconstruction of some of these larger platforms into kind of smaller services and tools and solutions. So, I, I think it's it's fine for these these really interesting tools to come on the market and for us to get this kind of richness in the in the legal tech space. Um, but they've got to be thinking about how, where do I fit in? It's going to be very hard to persuade, I think, a law firm or a in-house team to kind of buy a new platform. But if you're what you're proposing is actually a service or a, a plug-in or an app that sits within something they're already using, actually that that's a different proposition, and that could be that could be really interesting. So I think um, yeah. it's it's great. I, I'm not, you know, I do think it's a crowded space. I'm not totally against it, but I think. Um, the, the companies that are going to do best are the ones that have got a really smart go-to-market strategy and are thinking about it in the context of the kind of the environmental landscape that is emerging post-pandemic. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, it, I mean, you just got to look at the uh, 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 You know, it's, they're one vendor sort of, you know, play. They've they've strung together a series of products really well that sit, you know, in you know in in Word in a product that lawyers are using every single day, and that really works really well. So it's like you know what's going to be. Um, you know something like that that joins together lots of cloud companies and provides a sort of conjoined service in, in, in that regard mm. so you know i think it's a really interesting you know sort of situation at the moment there's obviously lots of consolidation going on um and i think you know maybe in five ten years there won't be this sort of huge amount of startups it will be um you know it'll be a bit harder to sort of break into that because there'll be these platforms out there where you kind of need to be on it to be in it do you know yeah. what i mean yeah, I mean, you've got the um, Thomson Reuters marketplace kind of essentially for, formally launched. Um, I think it was mm. th- th- this week or last. I can't remember. Yeah. But uh, yeah, we're starting to see it, you know, in that sense. And that actually opens yeah. up the opportunity for organizations like Psych um, or, um, you know, there's a, there's Legal Engineer and, and others that could, could build solutions and tools. They don't need to be a full kind of software yeah. development business, but they can, they can yeah. build tools and solutions on top of these platforms. So it's really interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, so let's let's take a step back. We kind of got we kind of went off on a slight tangent there, but um, really, really interesting. Um, but what I want to do is bring it back. You, you're explaining the kind of starter workshop transact, and I think you you got to the point where you'd been spending weekends and probably some money, uh, if we're being honest, building out this yeah. the kind of first iteration of the product, and and you said you started to kind of take it out to potential clients. So, I mean, the, the, the stage immediately before you could have took it into workshop, what did that look like? And then what was the real kind of reason behind actually um, taking the product into workshop? Yeah, I mean, I guess we sort of felt a bit stuck. You know, mm. we, we'd sort of gone out to speak to a lot of lawyers. We'd shown the prototype. There was, you know, really good interest in it. And we were sort of passionate about taking that forward. But we saw it as a massive challenge, you know, to, to, to go to law firms um, with a, with a cloud platform that we built ourselves and it just seemed like this really big 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 challenge and yeah and i guess i think we we were sort of thinking without much experience of building software at that time you know we um expected that this was something that would go really quickly you know and, and we saw sort of closing folders out there and we sort of got a bit you know impatient i guess about how quickly we wanted to 
to move forward. Yeah. Um, and, and, and yeah, it just seemed like daunting to us that we would, you know, especially at that time, you know, it's a lot cheaper and easier to build a cloud platform today than it was, you know, six years ago. Mm. Um, so, you know, we were looking at ourselves and saying, how can we shortcut, you know, this sort of process? And on, on the investor side, you know, with the investors that we'd spoken to, you know, didn't know much about legal tech at all. It wasn't a thing as far as they, they were concerned. And then there wasn't that sort of community like there is now, you know, the whole sort of legal geek sort of set up where, you know, you could go out there and get advice and be introduced to angels that were interested in, in legal tech. I mean, maybe some of that stuff was out there and we didn't look look hard enough, um, but it felt to us like it was, you know, it was going to be a big struggle to to sort of um, proceed on our own sort of basis as a, as a startup. Yeah. So, yeah. so that, so, so for those sorts of reasons, you know, we, we thought about how else we could take it forward. Um, and so we, you know, we, we looked at the sort of two, um, you know, legal technology um, solutions that we knew that had sort of a cloud platform. And the shortlist was obviously Workshare and HiQ. Um, and, um, and we thought about uh, approaching them because um, we didn't really see another way forward. Yeah, it's, uh, that's a really interesting. I mean, that's a really honest and interesting perspective on things that I, that I don't think you hear very often. And mm. it was probably a really... I mean, we'll come on to it about the pros and cons of, of, of doing this, but I could have a really sensible option because I suppose it gave you the, the platform, the springboard that you needed. Like you said, you were looking at potentially things like closing folders that were coming into the market. Um, you know, you knew the uphill struggle that there would be to potentially kind of go and source and secure um, finance, take the product to the next level. So this offered kind of a shortcut, I guess, to to kind of get where you wanted to, to be and, and offer the value that you knew needed to be offered to the to the customers quicker. Um, so I think it's a, yeah, a really interesting kind of essentially an entrepreneurship approach to, to building a startup. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a good, you know, I think it's a, it's an approach that should be done more. You know, we just talked, we just talked, you know, about, um, these platforms that are being created at the big companies. And I think there's a lot of, um, you know, lawyers out there that have good ideas for things. Um, and some of those will go on to be entrepreneurs, but some won't want to do that. And, you know, is there a, you know, it's a good question as to whether there's a way that, you know, what we did with Workshare, whether there's, a, you know, that can be more prominent, can it be formalized? Yeah. Um, you know, and, 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 and offer people a way to take products into those, into those businesses. I mean, we, we were quite surprised when we joined Workshare, actually, that there weren't many lawyers in the building at all. I don't mm. think there were any, but we were the first ones to go in there. Yeah. And so maybe, maybe the legal tech community is actually missing out on a sort of good way of getting good ideas, good people um, into their companies in sort of product, you know, um, subject matter expert type roles mm. to um, to take to take products products forward, and, and maybe that sort of thing will happen more and more in the future. Yeah, no, I I, I completely agree. It's an interesting one because I know um, I, I had when well, I spoke to the Avoca guys on the podcast about it, and and there's kind of differing opinions. Like I like I I on, honestly think there's a lot of value for for legal tech businesses actually having lawyers. Um, you know, working in in roles within mm-hmm. within them, I, I, I that's not me saying I think lawyers are are awesome and can do everything and and would solve everyone's problems. It's just more about I think having having the voice of the customer um, inside your business um, is is really valuable. That doesn't mean that you can get around actually going out and talking to to clients and prospects and the market to actually understand and augment your understanding, but um, having them there and present within the business contributing to things like products, to marketing, to pre-sales, to customer success, is just so, so valuable. Um, so yeah, I, I agree. And I, and I guess just on that kind of point about 
um, that we just mentioned, you just mentioned as well, the platform, um, the platform approach and the opportunities that there might be to build on these platforms. Again, if I was, if I was a lawyer that had creative ideas and, and was kind of umming and ahhing whether to, to go with a startup uh, or could have to leave and, and found something, I think I, my first approach would be to perhaps explore whether there were opportunities to build solutions on top of some of these existing platforms. Um, and, and it would certainly de-risk the process for those people that were looking at that option. Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's. I think it probably depends what kind of thing it is, what kind of idea it is, how big it could potentially be. Mm. Um, um, you know, in, in some of those circumstances, it would be good to, to take it on as a startup, and in some circumstances, it it won't. Yeah. Um, and I think you know, lawyers are sort of naturally uh, risk risk averse, um, and perhaps you know, typically don't have that sort of personality when they do want to become a sort of entrepreneurial time. So if that opportunity was there. And I think it would, it would be taken. I think I think the one thing that you've got to be careful of is, you know, if you if you're a lawyer going into a technology company, you know, you have to be mindful that your experiences are your own experiences, but they're not everybody's experiences. Yeah. Um. And so you, you know, so there's obviously you know, training around product management and design that kind of you know leads you to consider all the considerations about how to build a product, and it's, so it's you know you need to. You know, to marry that off. You know, I, I think I think when I, when Ben and I first went into into Workshare, there was a bit of you know us thinking that we knew it all. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, we you know, and you know, one of the sort of really huge advantages that we you know experienced by going into Workshare was that we had sort of you know professional design and professional engineering, obviously mm. you know right from the start. But you know, within that sort of first period, we we you know we would have disputes with the with the design about whether it was this you know, it should be this or, or or that, and and I think there's this element that you know, and it, that was great for us because it shook out of us a little bit that you think that you know it all, and you actually you don't, you don't and, yeah, and 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 you, um, and, and I think that really benefited our our product. You know, it became something that had like quite a broad appeal. Um, and I think you know we we had that already about about we had that already about that product. We wanted to make sure it was applicable to different you know parts of transactional practice. Yeah. But you know the designers helped us take that to a to a, to a different level. Yeah. No. Exactly. I think it's it, when you are a when you are a lawyer going into legal tech business, you really your eyes are opened and you really kind of mm. see different roles and the value that different. Um, different teams can bring you know yeah. I, obviously I, I i'm in a product role you're in a product role now um it's taken taken us a few years to to hone those skills and and develop those and I, you know i can remember you know coming coming in uh, for, you know for, to a legal tech business i guess high first and yeah it's you realize that it's actually a complete discipline in its own right with a whole completely different set of skills and you can come in and as a, as a lawyer and go well this is what we're doing we need to do this and this is the way it should look and and you get challenged on it like why why does it work why should it work that way or could they not do it another way or would that be value valuable or is there another way, thing we could do over here that would be more valuable and and then you can start to get challenged and uh, and it's uncomfortable at first but then you realize actually this needs to happen because that's the that's the way you reach the the best mm. possible outcome for, for absolutely your business. yeah I remember. I remember we, you know, when we went into into workshop, there was a, there was a guy there who was the the head of design, and I think it was actually maybe like the week before we were due to go in, and I went in and had a meeting with him, and he was explaining transact to me in these sort of general design terms, and you know, he, he was like, you know, this bit is 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 that bit, and that's you know, in Trello it's done like this, and in, and I, I just hadn't thought about it in those ways, yeah. you know, and and he was just you know these these principles that you kind of have in in lots of different products. Um, you know, he was just able to sort of draw draw it out and mm. um, and and sort of present it back to me in those ways, and it was just a really helpful exercise to you know to to understand what that product 
was. Yeah. And essentially, you know, Transact was essentially, you know, a, 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 a sort of simple com, uh, a, a sort of simple concept. You know, mm-hmm. it was a sort of tr- version of Trello for, um, for, for for lawyers. You know, yeah. breaking down you know something that's big into a series of smaller bits, and you know, attaching files and attaching notes and that sort of thing. And that you know, that, that was a really sort of enlightening experience to kind of understand you know what it was that you'd sort of created conceptually and how you would take that forward yeah yeah that, that's a really good point you just made there as well about you know whether it's working with the design or working with engineering i think it really makes you realize that the, coming up with the idea is one thing but then fleshing that idea out into a product is actually very very complicated and you know we've i've had it recently we were talking about and i i, I was talking about an experience early on where you know we're talking about okay we need um you know folder folder copy functionality so we need to be able to copy folders move folders or whatever um and you think that's quite straightforward and then you get a challenge okay so what should happen with the permissions within that folder where where people have got different access to different things and you go oh wow actually yeah what what do i do what should we do and and um it's actually that's why i enjoy working with design and, and tech because they see things from different perspectives and will ask really challenging questions and and it and building product is a is a really collaborative exercise and it, it's not the product manager that 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 builds the product or, or mm-hmm. necessarily dictates exactly mm-hmm. what the product should look like. It is actually really a collaborative effort across design, yeah. engineering, and, and and product. Yeah, um, which is why I really enjoy it. Yeah. Um, so, I, so I would, you know, I would put that down as one of the reasons that we that we had success at, at Workshare. You know, because of that involvement from design. Yeah. And the engineering team right from the start. Yeah, and actually, um, it's an interesting point because that might be yeah. something that. Um, other startups don't necessarily have because they haven't mm. got a, they haven't got a well developed um, you know engineering team straight away or they don't you know necessarily have a um, design a team straight away or they might be working with agencies and and you don't get that kind of coherent collaborative um, impact you either get very opinionated approach of the the founders saying this is the way it's going to be um, exactly. yeah. or, or or you're working with agencies that kind of you you don't get what you want but I guess going in house to someone like Workshay you slotted into an existing um, kind of workflow and a way of working and, and benefited from that straight away. Exactly, um, we did. But um, yeah. so just again, going back slightly, so um, you, you, you talked about kind of the lead up and, and identifying an opportunity to, you looked at IQ and there was Workshare, but then, you know, how did that actually happen? So how did you take it to Workshare and how did you kind of get the green light and how do they kind of say, okay, guys, this is this is something we're interested in, come on, come on board, how did that happen? I mean, it happened really quickly. I mean, Ben um, sort of made an approach to, to Barry Hadfield uh, just on LinkedIn. And, um, you know, this is sort of October in 2014. And yeah. Ben ended up over at, I think, at Barry's house on the Saturday. And um, Anthony Foy, the Workshare CEO, went over and Ben gave him a demo. And then, you know, the following week, we were in the Workshare office, um, you know, talking about things like contracts. You know, they were really excited about what we were doing. I think, you know, they'd sort of created this platform um, they, they wanted to you know get that into lawyers into the law firms as much as possible they saw what we were doing as a sort of opportunity to do that and um and we you know all those things i talked about before you know that was that was the promise that they could give us you know they had this existing cloud platform we could just plug our you know um, application into that um and then we could go out and sell it to to the to the vast you know workshare customer base mm. so so that was sort of october 2014 and by January, you know, early January, we were in the building, you know, and so it happened very quickly. And in fact, Barry, you know, came over to us on the first day that we were in Workshare yeah. and basically said to us, right, you guys are going to legal tech in New York <laughs> early February. 
Um, and so the engineers had this manic sort of few weeks where they sort of basically plugged our prototype into the WorkShare Connect platform and sort of made it look like it was a proper product. And um, and then off we went. And, you know, so within about three months, we'd gone from, you know, being a little bit stuck and not really knowing how we were going to take things forward to, you know, selling our products, you know, on the WorkShare stand at, um, at Legal Tech in New York in, 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 that, in that February. Yeah, uh, that's awesome. You've just you've just kind of made me think about the whole conference thing with legal tech as well. Yeah. Uh, having said that, that's a that, like, sorry to sorry to go off on a bit of a tangent again, but it's just it's one of those things that I mean I'd gone to conferences before, obviously before joining uh, like a legal tech business, but not necessarily as a vendor. And it for me it was a whole it opened my eyes to a whole different world of of, of conference mm. going and yeah. you know things like whether you get. Um, whether you've ordered padding under your booth carpet, you know, so <laughs> yeah. you know, are your feet going to be comfortable for the duration of the three days, or are or aren't they? Or have you, did did the uh, did the field marketing guys order you a yeah. bin or something like that? It's or a lectern. It's well, just really weird. <laughs> well, I, what I remember from that conference was that there was this, um, you know, it was in the, in the Hilton Hotel in, in in New York. Yeah, yeah, I know. And yeah. on the top floor, um, you know, Ray, the um, World Docs. CEO, mm. he held a party and he'd had some kind of, I don't know whether it was like some delivery of staff gifts or something, but there are all these like superhero toys and he's having this nice sort of party in his suite and there are all these toys like dotted around all, all over the place. Yeah. And I was like, this is crazy, but actually really good fun. And I could, you know, I was like, I could get, I could get, I could get used to this. Um, so again, you know, it was another, for us, it was another element where, you know, we were just straight into this legal tech scene. Yeah, you know, rather than being this chugging away as a startup on an individual basis, we were kind of part of this thing. So it was great. Yeah, straight away, exactly. Because I mean, it's not cheap to not cheap to go to go to these events either. So um, absolutely. And yeah. like, if you if you were just a normal startup, then um, yeah, yeah. You, you would you you would exactly. probably just get tickets and just be on the periphery. But this kind of yeah. put you right in the center of it. Yeah, exactly. It did. Yeah, it did. Okay, so what? So you're now in Workshare. Um, you know, you've kind of initially integrated or kind of built out the product a little bit just to kind of work um but what was your experience like actually kind of building a product within an established a vendor what were the kind of pros of, of that approach and perhaps what are the more negative or kind of cons of, of that approach yeah so we i mean we, we, we've probably plugged in um properly sort of by the by the summer of that of that year like mm. 2015 and we got our first customer quite easily. It was like this sort of um, agricultural finance lawyer in, in, in the States. And he was a big Workshare fan. And he used Workshare Connect platform. And he just started running loads of deals through the, through the platform. Yeah. And, um, and we thought, you know, well, this is going really well. It's exactly what we expected from this setup. And it's working. And we're going you know, to clear up here. Um, so, um, you know, as it happened with, you know, a lot of the other customers, it took a long time to sort of to work through. And those first couple of years were actually quite, quite tough. But essentially, you know, we did we did get, you know, what we what we expected. You know, we, we were able to sort of plug into the Workshare platform. We didn't have to worry about building a sort of secure, robust, and reliable platform. Um, you know, we we got sort of funded through those sort of early, you know, early first early sort of two years in particular, where it was, you know, the revenue was, you know, not great at all. Yeah. Um, and we had that big company backing, so you know it was it was um, easy for us to get meetings at you know the big firms, um, and um, and when we did sort of start progressing, they were comfortable working with us because you know we were an established company, we weren't a startup, we had um, you know had good financial backing, 
we had you know 24 7 support so so it kind of made sense you know i think transaction management with those early customers that picked up on it could see that it was you know something that was going to happen that it was going to be a really valuable tool for them you know the tool might not be there just yet but you know all of that stuff was you know they felt all that stuff would be needed to be in place for us to for them to progress with a tool like that so all of that stuff was there on the sort of on the you know on the on the cons you know it's um you know we didn't weren't you know when you're working in a startup there's a lot of pressure to kind of keep yourselves going you know you've got to be you have to have the investment you've got to be really careful and i can you know imagine that's a huge pressure for startup founders we had a lot of pressure as well you know it wasn't you know it was sort of um you know, we the management wanted us to, to make a lot of money from from the, yeah. from the go. Yeah. And I remember sort of being in the in the first couple of months, um, you know, within Workshare. I remember being in a lift with somebody, and they said to me, you know, well, when's Transact going to start making a load of money? And they hadn't even <laughs> yeah. built it yet. It was it was like it was like months before we, we actually released the product yeah. properly. Yeah. Um. And so I remember, obviously remember that because that that pressure was there all the way. It was all there all the way all the way through really. And you know, it's, it's it's a big company. You know, a lot of resources going into this. Probably you know, always at least a third of the of the R and D resources on on transact at any one time. So okay, that pressure yeah. was always there. Um. And then I think the other thing was to point out is that you know you're you're one of many projects within that company, and there's always other competing things, and you really have to sort of fight for for what you um, you know for what you want for your own product, hmm. um, and you know there's a sort of conflict there. You know you really you know this is your baby and you want it to do really well and all those sorts of things, but you're also like an employee of the company. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and so that's that puts you in a sort of slightly difficult position sometimes um and you're not always the best employee when you've got your hat on that you you know you're fighting for your um for your product yeah because i guess um, i guess you want to behave yeah. like a founder um and and kind of steer things and dictate things <laughs> and get things done but you are yeah. it's actually a yeah. case of negotiation um and, and, yeah. ba- and balancing yeah. internally because mm-hmm. you're not the only you're not the only product yeah. um there but i mean exactly th- how, I mean, how how was it structured i mean did you did you have a dedicated kind of? Did you have dedicated engineering resource for Transact? Was it? Did you have to secure that as part of a, a broader pool? How did it, how did it work there? Yeah, we did. I mean, right from the start, you know, management were really excited about what we were doing. Um, they had a sort of you know web engineering team, obviously, for the sort of Connect platform already, and we basically just sort of consumed half of that resource yeah. right from the off. Yeah. Um, and um, uh, yeah, we and we we progressed. I, mean, I think one of the other things. You know, to, to sort of again at that time, I think you know there's, uh, things have moved on a little bit. But at, at that time, it, you know, it was quite slow going in terms of developing out um, you know web software yeah. within that setup. It was just, you know slightly you know the platform was a few years old, um, and it just it did take sort of a, a, you know a long time to sort of to to build out. So we so we took up a lot of resources. Um, you know, Ben and I were kind of you know we we always wanted things to go. To go faster, um, but yeah, we did. You know, we, we, we yeah, we had our own dedicated engineering resource um, right right from the off, and quite a significant one as well. Yeah, and, and you know, being honest, it, it was. I, th- I think you'd have to say, looking at looking at how things went for you guys, taking it into Workshare was a, I mean, was a great decision. I mean, given the clients that that you secured and onboarded, I mean, you've got some of the largest, or you had, you know, Workshare Transact has and had some of the largest law firms in the world using the platform which you know is an incredible um 
a credible example um, to, to what can be done in kind of pursuing this approach? And is it kind of a real credit to you guys for for obviously building a fantastic product and and kind of doing the business at Workshare and, and getting it into the hands of you know the likes of a of a Clifford Chance, which is just just incredible. So, I mean, it definitely sounds like it was a, a good decision. Yeah, I, I think so. You know, we, we we sort of got there in the end. I think we were we were persistent, and as I say, the first the first couple of years were very tough. Um, it it really only sort of got going twenty the start of 2017 two years later which is i think when we first came up and met you um yeah I remember. up in up in leeds when you were at, uh, at pinson pinson masons yeah yeah um and um but we were, we were lucky you know we had really good um relationships with with key customers you know they were you know we had some really good sort of partnerships and i think you know it was they're really responsible for for the for the for the sort of where we got to with with transact and this, you know those those people know who they are but you know at that time you know cloud wasn't necessarily super prevalent you know in in law firm practice and there were some really brave people you know within our customer base that that really pushed it and they pushed it to their own clients mm. you know we worked really really well with you know continuous improvement teams best delivery teams to kind of you know progress the product um yeah and um and so you know so yeah so lots of these things were available to us because we were because we were in workshare and i think we sort of you know ben and i certainly did everything that we could to kind of to make it to make it a success against that backdrop um yeah well, but I, um i guess um you yeah. know, you mentioned like you mentioned it kind of earlier but i, I guess you're right that it was a t- you know, you were building this out as a time at a time where kind of law firms were just getting a bit more kind of comfortable and familiar with the you know the, the cloud approach to um to software and software as a service um and one of the most crucial things for any vendor looking to build that type of you know a platform like that is obviously make and particularly b2b is that make making sure that it's enterprise ready um, and that's a kind of a big, a big hurdle, I guess, for a lot of, um, a lot of startups to get certified that they meet the right kind of security standards to make sure that they've got the right infrastructure mm. in place, all the kind of, uh, enterprise ready features, SSO kind of, uh, user management, mm. et cetera. But you taking it into workshop just kind of unlocked that a lot quicker for you. It did. Yeah. So it was able, you were able to kind of penetrate and make, make kind of more headway earlier on, I would say. It, yeah, it did. And yeah. I, you know, I, I, yeah, I've got huge, huge amount of respect for you know for all of those groups that have done it, you know, off their own steam. Yeah, you know, true. Legatics, you know, Doxley, you know, closing folders. It's a really, really impressive achievement because all of those things are difficult to achieve. They are prerequisites. You know, law law firms have very high standards about you know what they can accept. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I think for us, you know, we did have all of that stuff, and it was still really hard work. Um, so you can imagine, you know, what it's what it's been like for those for those other um, organisations to get to the point that, that they got to. So yeah. I've got you know a huge amount of respect for that. Yeah. I mean, what would you say the key ingredients? I mean, we touched on a, a few of them, but what what would the key ingredients be for for Transact's success um, at, at Workshare? So what was in place? I mean, we've talked about the um, you know design and the engineering side and the kind of um, mm. some of the some of the uh, infrastructure being in place straight away but what about some of the other kind of ingredients i know you've got some great you had some great people working there with you um but what would you say are the kind of the reasons that it did so well yeah i mean you know we talked about having that design and engineering you know high quality input right from the start and that was a that was obviously a huge a huge benefit um i think you know it, um 
access to customers a huge yeah, thing yeah those customer partnerships i think we had a, i think we had two additional things probably to mention there we had, a, we had i think we had a really i think the product was good you know it, it was it was conceptually sort of solid it had sort of good bones i would yeah. describe it as that you know the the the, the 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 data model that sort of ben put together you know we put together together when we were first starting out for the prototype you know that lasted all the way through everything that we were doing and so i think it was it was you know, it, it was a product that was kind of, um, it was sort of straightforward. You know, it's, I, I, you know, I mentioned before that the development was going a bit slower than we than we liked. You know, in some, um, so in some ways, of looking at it, it actually helped us because we had this solid, pro- this sort of settled product. Yes. And and legal tech is, you know, so much about adoption. You know, your product has to be easy to understand by the people that are using it, the people that are training it. Mm. You know, it's it's all the way through this chain. Um, and and I think we had that with with, with with Transact. You know, it did sort of the core things really well. Mm-hmm. So so I think that was a, a key part of its of its success. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, you mentioned our team. You know, I, you know, we, I, I mentioned that things only really sort of got going for us in 2017, and there are a few reasons for that. Um, there was, you know, we the product changed a little bit at the start of that year to actually make it look like a checklist. Uh, before that, we were a bit constrained by the WorkShare Connect, um, uh, the sort of width of the screen. It had this sort of, <laughs> yeah. it had this sort of centrally contained um, sort of component. And we were trying to build this checklist sort of um, application. It wasn't wide enough. It was, uh, <laughs> yeah. but, um, but, you know, um, but the other thing that happened there is that we hired um, um, Fee McLean. Um, yeah, she's great. At the start of that year. And, um, and she came over from Merrill and she just added this, you know, a real level of professionalism to our sort of sales efforts. Mm. Um, but also she, you know, she come from Merrill and, you know, in that environment, you know, you're out there winning each deal to keep yourself going, you know, to keep the money coming in. Yeah. And, and so from that perspective, it, she brought this kind of um, a lot of method to the way that we were approaching customer adoption. Um, and, and that became much more professional as well. And we, you know, pointing out that you know our ability to sort of gain serious revenue was was you know entirely linked to how many deals we're going to go through this platform and it was like how are we going to um uh, sort of grow um each each customer um so that we can kind of charge them more uh, you know the next year and the yeah. next year after that and that really required sort of um robust framework and high energy um to to achieve that and you can see that you know and and fee was like hugely responsible for that, um, and um, and that sort of you know has, has followed through you know into Latera. You know, there's the um, this entire sort of network of transaction advisors that they've got. Um, you know, and that's such a key element um, to, um, to to selling any legal tech product now. And you know, um, you know, we also hired um, you know Joe Colleton joined us at that point. He's yeah. um, a young guy out of uni and went on to work at Thomson Reuters and. And then later we had Emma Vertigan, who's who's now got a sort of really leading customer success role at Latera, um, and, and and that team was really really solid, and and it was also quite a good fun team as well, and um, but there was, but it was that sort of framework around the customer adoption that really sort of pushed it forward. Yeah, I mean, I've always heard of. Um the quality of the the customer success team that was involved with Workshare Transact and all the the names you've mentioned, it always came across in lots of conversations about Workshare Transact that that was a real quality team. Um, And, you know, and I do include, although kind of fees more on the the sales side of it, I do include her in in that as well because 
yeah, like providing yeah. value and success to the customer is all about the kind of their journey and that that starts with well it starts you know from 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 kind of marketing and, and and that side of things but i think having a really coherent team all the way throughout really adds and and the customer actually sees it as one team rather than being ha- handed off to different people they actually see it as kind of more that's my team that i'm working with and um yeah i think good customer success is just so so important and it's not just about someone like an, an account manager or a client manager just kind of checking in every so often saying this is what's new in the product are you interested it's it's really about getting to to know the customer getting to know the client really trying to help them and hold their hand through the process of onboarding and training and um spotting opportunities and, and problem solving it's just a really valuable role internally yeah. and not a lot of vendors it's yeah, it's a real blurred line, you know, between sort of, you know, revenue and customer success. They're both, they're totally intertwined. And, you know, if you look at WorkShare, you know, we went into that company where it's predominantly a desktop software company. Mm. And they were looking, you know, it's how can we, how can we sort of progress ourselves to become a modern, you know, web company? And things like, you know, revenue and customer success, they're totally different in those two different worlds. Yeah. You know, on, one, on the one hand, you're kind of, you sell the product and it goes in and it's plugged in and it's put on everybody's desktop. And then you can kind of leave them till next year when you kind of, you know, check in and say, how's it going? And, you know, here's your bill for the next year kind of thing. So yeah, I think within WorkShare, you know, I think it's one of the things that I felt we didn't really get. You know, we had to sort of build all of that function ourselves, really. You know, it was, it was just a diff- entirely different way of, of operating. Mm. And this entire sort of framework around the relationship with your customer and, and um you know and the, and the check-ins and the training you know all the way through and um so so yeah it's, it's becoming very very blurred and that's why you've got you know customer success people being you know incentivized and on commit you know commissioned to yes you know based on how you know how well that you know that that, that account account does because because that's what that's what it's all about absolutely okay so you, you mentioned a moment ago though that um adoption sometimes was was actually quite challenging. So even with all of that infrastructure and team in place, I mean, why why was it something so obvious as transaction management uh, and so obvious the benefits? Why was it still sometimes kind of quite hard to to kind of secure adoption, whether it was in corporate banking or other transactional teams? Uh, it's a good question. I mean, I, I think that obviously some of the practical things from the outset, you know. Um, use of a cloud platform and that kind of thing. They, mm. That was that was sort of fallen away a little bit over the past sort of year or two. But as we were sort of working through, um, that was a, that was a clear thing. I think the more more importantly is the sort of is the sort of behaviour change. And and you're basically I think with transaction management, you're basically asking somebody to sort of change a process that affects a lot of people. So when I think about the, the success of Transact, I think about you know Mark Waghorn at Simmons, who you know as a partner in that sort of in the, in the sort of finance team there you know he just was really sort of bullish about it and just drove it through yeah and and, it, and it's people like that, that i think are the sort of unsung heroes really within legal tech you know it's you know he's sort of taking a risk there to kind of this relatively uh, you know untested tool he hasn't seen it in you know you know other firms now will see transact in, in usage you know on a deal yeah and then they'll and then they'll go and buy it or they'll go and start testing it out but you know some of these early partners the, the sort of real evangelists of the product don't have that reference point mm. but yet they're happy to kind of say i see this and this is a problem for me so i'm going to drive it through you know my practice um and so i think that is like a really important 
aspect of it. So to, it, things, you know, the, the sort of internal sort of makeup of of teams that you're trying to sort of push your software into can have a real sort of sort of impact on that. Obviously, you know, some like you know, he's really reaping the, the the rewards of that now because the tool is really sort of helping them. You know, it's included in their you know, fee quotes and stuff like that. So it's a different stage now where it's so widely sort of you know used that you know every firm is going to have it and every firm needs to have it. You know. Um, and clients are aware of it uh, as well. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Having those champions that have that can see the vision, and and even without, and, and I know that you did did a lot of uh, as well about trying to kind of calculate the the efficiency gain of using the tool and having those kind of stats to hand. I know you did that, but even without those, I think having a champion that could just look at something and go, "Yeah, I know this is going to have a huge impact for my team." Yeah. Um, is so is so critical. They they can then push that through, like you say, they get behind it at the at the very highest level. Um, and it becomes about less about kind of an IT process of ticking the boxes, bringing the tool in, and actually it's being purely driven by the the, the transactional team and, and IT and uh, infosec etc. Just have to kind of follow and and kind of, um, come through behind. But it's it's the partner or the kind of heavy hitter that is just really plowing a you know a route through and just saying let's get this in, let's have an impact, let's kind of deliver value because it's quite yeah. obviously going to have a huge a huge impact on what we do because the way we do it now is just utterly stupid so absolutely yeah, yeah. i totally agree so like you know the, the, the ability to sort of identify those people you know in the early stages of your product development um and, and it can happen at an individual level or, or an organization level i would say and we have examples of those as well but identify find those is really really important yeah and then it goes and then it goes back to you know if you once you've got those it's like how do you, you have to work out how you can kind of use those people to influence the next you know section of buyers so you know andy wish mentioned like crossing the uh, crossing the chasm yes uh, book and I, I think that's like a must read for anybody that's going into legal tech because you know um lawyers you know with any sort of new tech product, you know, those rules apply, you know, you need, you find your evangelist and then you get reference points from them to move on to the next group. And, and lawyers are, you know, they really, really need references to, to push something forward. Yes. You know, it's, it, you, you've got your clients to think about, you've got your reputation to think about, you know, you need that sort of level of security when trying out a new product to be sure that, you know, it's going to work and, and, you know, that you're um, doing the right thing. And so that's a really important important read. And I think the ability to find those evangelists, use reference points, move on. And we talked about that with some of the firms that we were, you know, that we were working with, you know, internally at the firm, let's find those people. Yeah. Once we find those people, let's get the reference points and move on. So I think it's a really nice way of conceiving how you can kind of go about sort of like a tree of adoption almost um, within a law firm with your product. Mm. Mm, absolutely. Um, I, I really I, I want to get on to, to your new role and talk a bit about structure flow, but just to kind of complete the journey, I guess, um with, with Transact. Um so obviously workshop was sold to Latera, I think uh, what was it back in two thousand and nineteen now, I guess. Mm. Um and that obviously would have had a quite a big impact for for you and Transact. But um just very briefly perhaps, kind of what was it like um finding yourself, you know, part of that bigger business and um how did uh, Latera perceive transaction management when they they, they acquired Workshare? Yeah, I mean, I think it was, you know, when they when they came in, I think it was just very flattering and sort of very validating of of, of what we'd been doing. Yeah. Um, you know, so I don't, I don't think Workshare Transact was the primary sort of driver of that um, 
transaction but it was a key part of it and i think you know over the course of that transaction happening they sort of became aware of what we were doing we obviously had common customers from transactive latera customers mm. and on day you know day one when they came in um they were talking about transaction management they were excited about it you know obviously highly energetic uh, management team um and that was great you know it was really good sort of validation of, of what we've been doing at workshare for for all of that all of that time um you know, it wasn't um, too long before the before the Doxley acquisition happened either, which just sort of you know strengthened their sort of um, obviously their resolve to kind of crack that as a market and, and sort of have transaction management as um, as one of the key things for them going forward. And I think until until that point, even though we'd had success, I think um, you know some really good success with some of our some of our customers. Still in my mind, that I sort of wasn't really sure if this was going to be a thing or not, whether we'd sort of done enough to get it going and, and those sorts of things. But I think as soon as that happened, that was, you know, I felt like we'd sort of, we'd achieved that, you know, this was a thing, you know, this is a, you know, we'd been a part of, of, of setting up this, this new genre of application. Mm. Um, so that was great. And, and you know, the, the, the Doxley acquisition sort of happened quite quickly, but it was highly understandable um, because, you know, whilst we'd had really good success in, in Europe, and with the sort of CP process on sort of banking transactions in particular, um, we'd struggled in the US. We hadn't really sort of um, managed to crack any of the big firms over there. And there were a few reasons for that. You know, we, we hadn't really sort of got near on-premise, you know, and that's the sort of, you know, they yeah. were still looking at, that was still a really important thing at that time. Yeah, We didn't have any, you know, signature pack functionality. And I think you'd had like Doxling closing folders out there in the market you know, talking about transaction management in those terms, and we didn't have anything like that yet. So it was almost like a disconnect. You know, that's what they, that was. You know, they'd educated the market in that way, and we didn't have that stuff. So, um, and then the sort of predominant use case that for for transacts, you know, was um, you know this kind of shared, you know, checklist on a banking transaction, mm, mm. Um, and sort of culturally, I don't think you know that was really happening really in the states i think it was more of a sort of a different transaction structure there'd be like a dd process and a, and a closing process whereas in europe this this sort of cp process was kind of like a mix of those two things so mm. so we hadn't had that success in in the us and that was you know latera's obviously main market so you know it made total sense for them to for them to 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 sort of go ahead with that and sort of then look to put the two applications together yeah i mean what's great is that and I know now that it, I think it's called the the combined solutions. I think the, the Terra Transact. Mm. Um, but it's I mean when you look at the DNA that it has within that product, you know the stuff that you just mentioned from from Doxley, the, the, all the great stuff from from Transact. It, it's a really robust you know platform. It's going to be it's going to be very good. It's going to be very valuable. It's going to deliver you know, a lot of functionality for existing transact clients and existing doxley clients you know it's going to turbocharge their their own performance because they're getting the best of each tool um within it so um now i think it's gonna be really interesting and more broadly in the market now i think it's going to be transaction management it's just a really interesting space to watch right now um so i think i think it's kind of game on really i'm just going to be interested to see as probably you are just interesting to interested to see how it all plays out yeah absolutely i mean i you know i obviously really hope that you know the Latera product does really well because of the, the sort of influence that we've had in in putting that together, um, and I think it's obviously got a lot of input from from different areas, different lawyers, um, different practices, yeah, different deal types, um, and so you know that's in a really good position to be you know to be a sort of the, the, the leading tool, yeah. And I think yeah we're in this we're in this position now where 
you know, these tools are, you know, they're really sophisticated and they're effective. And, you know, really every every firm, you know, needs to have one. Mm. You know, they probably maybe have more than one. Um, so I think it's it's a really exciting time for transaction management. Um, you know, it's been sort of five, six years in the making now. Um, and I think it's, you know, it's it's an exciting time. I think I think for those tools, it's all about, you know, um, how much of a transaction is, you know, are they going to just be sort of the closing tools that help with that, those sorts of elements, you know, um, CP processes and signing processes, you know, or can they kind of, you know, progress to, to, so, that, so that, you know, all the deal activity goes through them. And, if, you know, and I think that's that, that's a really exciting question. Mm-hmm. And, they, and they, you know, the, the Microsoft stack is, you know, is, is, um, is, is really strong. Exactly, and it's like how, yeah. the, how the two of them work together. Yeah. So I think it's really, so it's a really, really exciting and really interesting yeah. sort of um, uh, thing to, to look at going forward. I, I can see it a little bit like um, contract management. You know, everyone used to talk about contract management and then the attention sw- switch more to contract lifecycle management. I think it's the same. I think we've been talking about transaction management, but I think soon we'll be talking about transaction lifecycle management, which yeah. will, which will go right through from you know, source, yeah. sourcing deals, you know, preliminary stages, all the way through to deal execution into Agreed. post-closing in- integration, and then ultimately exit at the other end. Uh, you know, and it'll come full circle. But um, Agreed. yeah, it'll be interesting. Okay, so um, you recently moved to StructureFlow uh, into uh, a role, I think, yeah. it's head of product. Um, which sounds fascinating. You know, I'm still getting to know um, StructureFlow as, as a product. It looks looks really interesting. But can you just talk to us a little bit about um, how that move came about? So, how did you end up at uh, at, at StructureFlow? Uh, yeah, so I was I was lucky enough to um, see a demo of of StructureFlow whilst I was at Latera. Um, the company's a few years old. It was founded by um, Tim Follett, who's a mm. former corporate associate with Salter and May. And they came into the Terra and, and gave us a demo. I was, um, you know, I instantly got it. Was instantly sort of very excited about it. Um, and then, you know, many months later, summer last year, um, uh, I was able to um, to, to uh, go over there, and I was, you know, really excited about that. So um, it's a really exciting um, uh, product, really exciting company. Um, you know, with the, the companies being through Fuse and through Collaborate, and okay. they've been through Founders Factory. You know, we now have eleven full-time employees. Um, we've got a really strong early customer base. Um, so yeah, it's 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 great. Yeah, no, I I always be, uh, hear it spoken about very very highly. You know, and when yeah. when, when people are talking about these types of tools, you know, structure flow almost always or pretty pretty much always comes out on top when uh, when, when people are kind of recommending tools, but. Um, do you, do you want to just talk to us a bit about structure for those who don't know you know what is it what's uh, what does it do what kind of value does it create um, for, yeah. for its customers yeah so it's about visualization you know it's, it's about visualization and modeling of legal structures mm. you know so corporate structures transaction structures and in that sense it's not it's not just a legal tech tool you know it's it's for anyone that's working on on, on structures on transactions so it's it's law firms, it's accountancy firms, it's yeah. tax advisors, investment banks, asset management, you know, whatever. Mm. And at the at its very you know most basic level, it's a sort of PowerPoint killer for the creation of those structures. So there's this toolkit for the adding of you know entities and yeah. assets and contracts, and then you sort of connect them together with you know ownership lines and um, contract party lines and, and flow lines for showing sort of the flows of of, of payments. So at, this, at the very basic level, it's a very rapid um, diagramming tool for to, to put those structures together, and you end up with this really great result very quickly. Mm. Mm. Um, but 
Structured flow is way more than that. You know, it, it's an intelligent solution. And what I mean by that is that when you're putting together this, this sort of visual of your chart, it understands what you're doing. It understands the objects that you're adding. It understands the relationships um, between them. And essentially what you're doing is like building out this model of your structure. Um, and then you can sort of enrich your chart. You can overlay additional information um, about the sort of the, 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 the entities and the assets and the contracts that, that are there. And, and what you're essentially doing is building out this sort of really detailed interactive um, visual of that, um, of that structure. So you can, you can you can imagine that you know if you're um, if you're working on say a, a group um, structure chart mm. or an M and A transaction, you can create a visual of that. But if you create that in PowerPoint or in Visio, it, you're very limited with the sort of amount of information you can show within that. But but both of those examples represent a huge amount of information. Um, you know, going in deep you know, into, into very different levels of uh, of all the things that are represented by it. Mm. Um, so structure flow allows you to sort of build out that sort of visual representation of all of that all of that data and what we're what we're sort of comparing it to is sort of like computer aided design with yes. um, that yeah. is used by engineers and architects for example and you know the product of a, of a tool like that is not a visual you know it's there's a visual element but it's it, but it hosts all of this sort of detailed information um, about the matter and you know what that sort of gives you from a sort of legal perspective you know working on your on your transaction you know the benefit is you've got this this fully holistic sort of view of that transaction that's then you know available to everybody working on the transaction you you you're presenting this really full and detailed um you know picture of, of what's happening yeah i mean it's so interesting again we mentioned it earlier about the the obviousness of a, of the of the transact tool to anyone who's worked in this space but this is another example of that anyone who's worked in transactions and, and um, structuring transactions, as you say, whether it's a law firm or accountancy or investment bank, et cetera, knows these things can get horrendously complex and they can change, can't they? On a, on a very regular basis, ahead of time, ahead of closing, things can yeah, shift. Exactly. And, but what's interesting is like when you get to closing and you, you kind of step into that that boardroom and the papers are laid out all on the on the table or, or perhaps not now that there's something like Transact. Um, but, you know, if you think back to those papers being laid out, you could look at them and you think, okay, there's a whole swathe of parties, relationships, payments, yeah. arrangements contained in these documents. But you can't you can't ascertain that just from the, the face of the documents. You can't quickly see, okay, how does this all relate? What's the relationship of these parties? What's the arrangements in terms of what who's going to do what? Who's paying who? Um, and it just makes it so dense and inaccessible um, to, to the clients and to the lawyers if you need to revisit it or you need to draft it. You think, well, what's the... What is the bloody arrangement? What is, what is the the structure that's in place? So I think any tool that can can make that simpler it is just going to be so so valuable. Yeah, absolutely. And and this information is you know it's fragmented across all the different organisations that are working on that particular matter. Mm. So you might have financial information over here and entity management entity entity information over there, and it's and it's it's about you know, collecting all of that together into into one place. And it's and it goes to things like the efficiency of working on the matter, you know. So if people don't have the information that they need at the relevant time, they're instantly into this sort of exercise where they could be held up, they could be delayed, and then they're not sure about the accuracy of that information. So, so there's, there's what's exciting about this product is that once you have this sort of immediate use case that any lawyer can just sort of pick it up and start using it, um, there's this whole sort of um, you know sort of 
element of this underlying data and we think there's lots of things that we can do with that um and so that's that's for me why is why it's so exciting as a sort of as a sort of product job mm. um because you know i i feel like again with as it was with transact it's this opportunity to sort of determine you know how transactions are going to be worked on in the future um and a real opportunity to impact on on different elements of them um and so you know your mind can sort of quickly start sort of um getting to ideas for how um you know this can interact with other tools and how it can be the interface to this type of data and that type of data and you know where can this information go and where can that information go yeah and that's you know represented in what our roadmap looks like you know so it's you know it's how can we connect to lots of different sources of data to sort of you know populate um you know uh, structure charts very very quickly you know with um you know with relevant data and then it's all like you know what can we do with it once it's there so that's why it's exciting yeah i i think it's uh, also i think it's exciting for two, two well in my mind kind of, i guess two or maybe three reasons um i think starting from a visual perspective is going to be more useful when you're preparing documents anyway so we know mm. that you you always start from a, a steps paper when you're drafting kind of spas and loan note agreements etc yeah. but actually being able to kind of use that visualization to start with the visualization and use that to then build the documents out because because you are capturing things like party names and arrangements and, mm-hmm. and and things if that was able to kind of push through and start to generate those low note instruments uh low note certificates share certificates share buyback agreements sbas etc based on that structure that that's incredibly powerful and then i think it, you know that's that's the kind of visualization to to, to a document output but then also Kind of document to visualization, I think, is a really interesting angle as well. So, if you have something like a data room, you know, one of the biggest challenges is to, you know, when you're given access to a data room as a buyer, to say, right, I need to make sense of this. I need to figure out how this all sits together, what the group stru- group structure looks like, whether there are kind of any um, subsidiaries or regional offices, etc. Mm, um, exactly. And you could, and, and so, getting a visual visual representation of that out out of it is also interesting. And then just just generally, you know, after the event, um, when a deal is done. Just having again a visual representation of it linking through to the underlying documents and obligations, so that you know maybe when you think about contract management, everyone's talking about I need a database of key dates and and clauses, etc. But if you if what you had was access to a visual representation of an arrangement and were able to kind of really easily dip in to see okay what do I need to do here or there or what you know, what what are the underlying arrangements of this of this structure. Um, that's it makes it a much more accessible way to yeah. to see the contents of of, yeah. of contracts I mean, I mean what you've given to me is a few examples of how where visualization could really enrich a, a process or a practice and then you've given to me some examples of how um you know what you, the things that you can do with data mm. you know and and what this what, you know structure flow is all about the sort of combination of those things about the combination of visual of visualization with data and, and, and what we can do with it um and so that's why you know and that's you know that's why it's a a really sort of exciting thing to to be involved with um an exciting thing going forward you know how can this fit into all of these different things you know in those ways so you've 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 nailed it rob yeah well thank you um (laughs) for once for once um no i mean it does sound fascinating i'm i'm really interested to watch it and see how it evolves and you know no no doubt with you at the helm of the, you know the product team clearly you you you're going to do some big things there and yeah it'll just be interesting to watch it yeah. and what you add to it over the next few months and years yeah thank you i mean it's 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 a really exciting company we have a really excellent cto tim is just incredible as well 
Um, and you know, I, th I think what one of the things I like about Tim is that he, he he's sort of he's thinking about the product, you know, what it's going to be like in two years and five years, ten years, thirty years time. And I really like that about about him. Mm. Um, and that sort of gives you sort of a freedom to think about the product in in those sorts of terms and in those sorts of ways. Yeah. Um, but I think again, that's what's needed. You know, if you, if you if you want to put a, a legal tech product out there, um, um, that's going to really get um, buyers interested, you need to you need to show them where it fits along those timescales. Yeah. Um, because because it's you know to 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 put something into your organisation is um, you know that it, it requires a big effort, and you need to you need to know where it's going to be on 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 all of those fronts. And so this is a tool. As you say, you know very much. You know when you see it, you're kind of like, this is this is obvious, and and the and the sort of application and the benefits are are very clear if you're coming from you know as a, as a former corporate lawyer. Mm. Um, and so it, it, you know it's really nice. It's very strong on lots of different aspects. I think. Uh, yeah. And so I think we've got a good a good future. Yeah. No. Definitely. And and you know I'd love to to have Tim on um, the podcast and perhaps you know do an episode where we go go kind of in depth and in, into these these concepts Absolutely. as well so you definitely should do that yeah no i'll reach out to him um that'd be awesome um but owen listen that was a fascinating discussion as i knew it would be um i think you've got some exceptionally interesting experiences from you know starting out in the law going through um starting transact and trying to go down the kind of startup do it do it yourself route taking it into workshare and you're building it out within a kind of an entrepreneur kind of mindset and some of the benefits and, and, and uh, mm. things around that through the Latera transaction into structure flow and, you know, now working at a, you know, what is a really, really interesting product that's got a, got a great future. And I think for a lot of people listening that that'll you know, just be fascinating to, to hear. And I think probably be quite inspiring for a lot of people. So thank you for, for coming on the show. Well, I hope that's the case and it's been really, really great fun and um, great spending this time with you. Yeah, no, I, I really appreciate you taking the time and that was great. Um, and then for everyone else listening, the next episode of the Legal Tech Arcade podcast will be out very soon. Thank you. That's it for this week's episode of the Legal Tech Arcade podcast. If you enjoyed the show, then please go ahead and subscribe. Thanks for listening and see you next time.